0: Welcome to the Think Podcast, the show that tackles impossible questions from a biblical perspective, with your host, Joel Sedecase. And now get ready to think. All right, well, welcome to the Think Podcast with Joel Sedecase. I'm Joel Sedecase, and this is the show that tackles impossible questions to help you explain, share, and defend the Christian message. And we're doing it all from a biblical perspective. Just want to give you a quick reminder. If you have not yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do so. And um, you can help us get the word out by sharing this video and as many other ones as you like. If you're watching on Facebook, uh, best way to comment and interact would be to hop over to YouTube. But uh, of course, you can comment on Facebook as well. But let me tell you how to do it. You need to go to StreamYard.com slash Facebook, and you can enter your permissions in there, and and then um, they will allow you to comment, and I'll be able to see who you are. Now, let's get into the meat of today's episode. This is going to be a good one. It's going to be doubly good when you see who I have on the program today, but let's let's start by talking about Easter and Passover. Okay, Easter and Passover are two different holidays belonging to two distinct religions, namely Christianity and Judaism, right? There's been a lot of talk in the news lately about the quote-unquote Abrahamic religions. Uh, Pope Francis recently went to Ur and prayed at an ancient site and talked a lot about unity between the quote-unquote Abraham religions. Now, at first glance, one could be forgiven for thinking that the two holidays, Easter and Passover, don't really have much in common. After all, they're, they're separated, there's a great religious chasm in between the two, at least that's how it seems. And yet, did you know this? Every year there are Christians, many Christians, who actually celebrate both holidays. So what are we to make of this? And what are the connections between these two ancient religious festivals? If you're fascinated by the connections between modern-day Christianity and ancient Judaism of the kind that that uh, Jesus observed. Perhaps you've been researching these connections. May- perhaps you've been uh, looking into this. Um, maybe you're curious as to why Passover, uh, Pesach, and uh, my guest is going to correct me on that, and Easter, which is still called Pesca in some Christian traditions, um, maybe you're interested in the connection between that ter- those two terms, or maybe the subject is totally new to you. Either way, you're not going to miss this conversation between my guest and myself Uh, Because in today's episode, you're going to see why Passover has such importance for followers of Jesus, uh, aka Yeshua, and whether or not it's appropriate for Christians to celebrate Passover and how believers who choose to celebrate Passover can unlock its messianic meaning. So you're going to find out my guest's background growing up in Judaism, how he became a believer in Jesus. You're going to find out why so many Christians celebrate Passover. We're going to talk about... What it what it means that Jesus was crucified at at on Passover. What it meant that John the Baptist called him the Lamb of God. Uh, we're going to talk about whether or not Passover can be considered a Christian holy day, and uh, we're going to talk about a lot of other things, including what it looks like to have a Messianic Passover Seder. So, lots to talk about. Without further ado, allow me to introduce Roy Schwartz to think podcast dad how are you i'm good thank you joel that's right and uh for those who don't know roy schwartz is my father-in-law and um so by the way elisa says hi she's in the next room uh homeschool she just made bunch of friends. so um she says hi but uh but thank you so much for joining me and um maybe we could just get started and you could share your background with us um, how did you grow up? Did you grow up a follower of Jesus? And, um, you know, tell us a little bit about your spiritual journey, if you would.
1: Well, I was, uh, raised Jewish. I was bar mitzvahed in the Jewish tradition, Orthodox Jewish tradition, although I, my family was not Orthodox. It was just the least expensive uh, synagogue to be a part of. And so, uh, rather than pay retail, we paid wholesale, which is also very Jewish. And, um, And uh, so, but at the age of 13, it was just religion. It was not really, uh, uh, for me, a vibrant uh, living faith. God was not really a part of it. The scriptures was just ancient tradition. And so since I had uh, fulfilled my responsibility, I became a son of the commandments at the age of 13, a bar mitzvah. Uh, I left the synagogue with the blessings of my parents, who were not really religious at all either. They just wanted me to identify with the jewish people it was my my grandfather was very religious but uh, my mother and uh my grandmother was not religious um so both my parents were jewish but so this was done and uh but in while i was in college after um um serving in the military and coming out and going back to college uh um and I was raised with the idea that Jesus was the source of our problems. My mother grew up in Germany. She was, uh, she had to flee, her family had to flee the Nazis. And uh, fortunately that her whole family was able to get out. And And she met my father in New York and we were just raised with the idea that, uh, you you know, Jesus is our enemy and Christianity is our enemy. Uh, and the reason was that uh, Germany was a Christian nation. In fact, on the belt buckles of the SS was written "For Christ and Country." And uh, so the rationale for for um, most Jewish people is that that you know Judaism hates. I mean, Christianity hates Jews. Um, you know, I experienced uh, persecution when I went to uh, school in North Carolina. Uh, so all of those things kept me from from faith and then in uh, in the summer of 1970 early 70s i i ran across christians while uh, on a summer break and um and found out that uh you know they started telling me i needed jesus i thought i needed a lot of things but that was not one of them and so with every argument i came up with they they showed me in the bible this is so and this is so and you know for being jewish you know my ace in the hole really i couldn't i didn't have any, i didn't know what to say to them finally, my ace in the hole is I'm Jewish. And that usually would end discussions You know, with cr- Christians. They said, you're Jewish. Well, our Messiah is Jewish. Our Bible's Jewish. If it weren't for you guys, we wouldn't have a Bible or a Messiah. And I would never had a response like that. I mean, here were Christians who were generally cited that I was Jewish rather than, you know, uh, you know he's a Jew. You know, what do you expect? And then they started sharing about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And uh, here were Gentiles who were on a first name basis with my people, and I thought, what are these Gentiles doing with my God? And uh, and and they said, you ask the God of Israel if Jesus is the Messiah. Well, I sort of muttered under under my breath, you know, something, and uh, you know, God, if you have anything to do with this, show me. And he started showing me, and uh, through a number of things, secular literature, um, uh, actually uh, Paradise Lost, and. Uh, and then the movie godspell and jesus christ superstar uh, both of those uh, movies had an impact on me realizing helping me to realize wait a minute jesus is jewish i always thought he was gentile and uh and so the all of those things had an impact on me and and made me realize that maybe i would prejudged jesus based on my experiences growing up, and my my parents' experience, and Jewish history in general. Because the worst things that happened to us as Jews have happened from them, those who named the name of Jesus. Yeah, so I, I, I can I, still
0: remember uh, Ima saying, uh, "You know, your mom for those for our listeners saying she hated the word Christ. It 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 was like a curse word to her. Oh, mm-hmm. Christ! You know, that's she associated that word with with Nazis." Right. And I just, I, I mean, that was uh, really revealing. So I, I'm, you know, I experienced some of that uh, just from from talking with Eva.
1: Right, right. So you know, it's Christ is a gentilized form of mm-hmm. Messiah. Right. And so in in the congregations that I planted, we we call the messianic congregations, and 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 we use the word Messiah we, and Yeshua, Jesus, as 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 Messiah. And so um you know all of that helped me to realize that Christianity really was Jewish as I as I saw those movies and and uh, the only thing left to do was to acknowledge that he was my Messiah and uh you know the spirit of God worked in my heart and helped me to see that he was King of Kings and King of Israel and and that it was a Jewish thing to do and then I had to deal with Christians who just see it as completely other I mean that uh you know, you become one of us. And uh and and in reality, as I read the scriptures, no, you become one of us. Jesus made you kosher, not the other way around. I've came come back to the God of Israel, but you know, this new covenant you're talking about is a Jewish covenant God made with Israel. Mm. And and as Paul writes in in Ephesians, you who are strangers to the covenant of promise, you who are far off, have been brought near. And so, um, but, you know, that, that, that came with maturity and growth that I learned to understand that most Christians don't understand the Jewish roots of their faith. So, and this is, I know, a huge part of the work that you do with Chosen
0: People. Um, before we dive into Passover in particular, could you tell us about the work that you do? You know, what's your title with Chosen People? Uh, what is Chosen People? And, and who do you work with?
1: Well, uh, Chosen People Ministries is one of the oldest Jewish ministries in the United States. It began in 1894 when a rabbi, Leopold Cohen, from Hungary, came to faith and began sharing his faith. And after he moved from Budapest to, uh, he began sharing his faith with fellow Jews and uh, and and began uh, this ministry and. Uh, and so that's who I work with, Chosen People Ministries, and we have um, missionaries bringing the gospel to Jewish people all throughout uh, the United States and uh, Europe and uh, Israel and uh, in Australia, a lot of Israelis go backpacking after their year in the armed forces, and so we have missionaries that embed themselves with them, and we, all, we run halfway houses. And, uh, and uh, part of my work has been planting congregations that would bring together Jews and Gentiles in Messiah. And uh, I planted two congregations in the Chicago area and one in, the, um, in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm also working now with Moody Church in downtown Chicago, planting a, a Messianic fellowship that meets monthly, and in Highland Park also.
0: Oh, you're planting one in Highland Park right now?
1: Well, a fellowship. It's called, uh, well, it's Beth Shalom. Both of them are called Beth Shalom. One's Beth Shalom, House of the Prince of Peace in downtown Chicago at Moody Church, and it meets once a month, the first Friday of the month. And then on the Jewish Holy Days, we have Beth Shalom Fellowship that meets at Christ Church in Highland Park, which is part of a, a, a group of churches that are, are about, uh, there five different uh, branches of Christ Church, which is uh, headquartered in Lake Forest.
0: Okay, um, now, uh, I remember, obviously, the congregation that you oversaw and and planted, MC Square, Messianic Congregation of Chicago, mm-hmm. and um, you know, you and I have obviously talked quite a bit about the relationship between Israel and the church and and theology. We're both kind of uh, theologically minded guys, theology nerds, maybe you might say. And uh, we like to have... I was was speaking for myself. (laughs) I was trying to bring you into it, but that's fine. Um, But the, uh, you know, um, I think what a lot of people are going to wonder as they're watching this, Is is there a difference between Messianic Judaism and Christianity? Maybe we could just start there, and then and then jump into the connection between Easter and Passover and Christian celebrating Passover. So, how how would you answer that?
1: Well, I'd say no. There's no difference. Messianic Judaism is simply what Christianity is. It is Messianic, and it is a Jewish Jewish faith. But most Gentiles don't know that, and so our expression is to communicate. The truth that Christianity is Jewish, in and it's about the Messiah, and that it's and it's a Jewish faith, and so we welcome. It's like a regular church, only it's got a Jewish flavor, and 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 shows the unity between old and new covenants. That there is that it's a seamless garment. That uh, that that the new is in the old concealed, and the old is in the new revealed.
0: Yeah, yeah, amen. Um, that's a phrase that I I use quite a lot. Um well I mean, maybe not quite a lot, but I definitely uh, endorse as a new covenant theologian, which is something that you and I have talked back and forth about. But the so so the the congregations, a messianic congregation is a church with a Jewish flavor. Is it is it intentionally does it have that Jewish flavor so that it will be more comfortable and familiar to Jewish people who are not followers of Jesus yet so that they, so that they'll see those connections or, or is yeah. the Jewish flavor more for the Gentiles?
1: No, it's for it, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Okay. As Paul wrote, I mean, that, that's what the gospel is. So, so uh, we uh, uh, celebrate the Jewish holy days and what they mean in Messiah, how they foreshadow what was to come. Each of the holy days foreshadow God's redemptive program. And so, um, uh, yes, to make it comfortable for Jewish people to see that this faith is not a Gentile faith; it's a Jewish faith. And um, and and you, that's that's
0: uh, how you in your own story, how you came to believe in Jesus. You saw that he was Jewish; that he he wasn't just the the savior for the
1: Catholics or something like that, right? Right right and that it that it was a jewish faith i didn't understand it completely yeah uh, except well you know i came to believe that jesus was my messiah and was the messiah but i you know i was then thrust into a gentile world that was just so alien to me and and just didn't line up with my understanding as i read the scriptures uh, it was it was like foreign yeah so one of the Major ministries.
0: I know that that you do through chosen people and and uh, for the communities of um, well. Uh, I know you do it for churches as well, but um, I still have great memories of going to the classy passy. And so I'm talking about the Passover seder's that you host um, through oftentimes through chosen people or also through local churches and. You know, it's really incredible when you go to these satyrs, they are oftentimes very packed. A lot of times it's, sometimes it's Christians who have been attending a messianic congregation, but correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like most of the time it's average, everyday Gentile Christians who are just interested in, as you put it, the Jewish roots of their faith. And they go to these satyrs and what happens at at these satyrs and maybe if we even broaden out from that, what is the connection between Passover and Christianity? And I got—I want to throw one more thing in there as well. I tweeted out a promotional tweet, and I, I believe this was on Twitter, uh, promoting the fact that you and I were going to be having this conversation. And I said, why do so many Gentiles, Gentile Christians celebrate Passover? And uh, a Jewish gentleman Responded to the tweet because they hate Jewish people, and that kind of blew my mind. Um, but I'm I'm assuming there's you know that's at least a little bit exemplary about this perception that Christians only celebrate Passover as a way of whether it's cultural appropriation or stealing Jewish culture, um, and that there's some sort of anti-Semitism rooted in that. So there's a lot of threads there. Maybe you can tie that together for us. What's the connection between Passover and Christianity? Is it appropriate for Christians to celebrate it? And, and why?
1: All right. Well, I, I wrote down six reasons why Christians should celebrate Passover. Okay. First one is, the first one is it grounds you to your spiritual heritage. As I uh, mentioned to you earlier, Jesus made you kosher, Joel. He grafted you into a Jewish tree. The God of the New Testament is the same as the God of the Old Testament. There's he's, he's echad, he is one. There's a unity between old and new. Every detail he's provided us in his word is for his glory and for his good. And so the stories of the Jewish people are our spiritual heritage. And we understand more about God. When we understand more about how he's worked among his chosen people whom now gentiles have been grafted into as paul writes in in romans 11 you who are strangers to the covenants of promise you who are far off and ephesians he says that have been brought near and uh and uh, you have been grafted into a cultivated olive tree and so it helps us to trust god as we know about his how he's faith been faithful among his people in the past how much more he'll be faithful to us in in the present, and also how how his promises will be fulfilled in the future for his people. and so that grounds us in our spiritual heritage. So you want to respond to that first statement, or do you want me to continue? Joel? Uh,
0: yeah, no, I, I think that that's I think that that's good. I think, yeah, why don't you keep going
1: and okay,
0: and we can uh, we can talk about him at the end.
1: All right. So the second the second point that I want to bring up or second reason to celebrate Passover is it's a reminder of the value of Scripture. There are parts of the Bible that are harder to read than others. However, God didn't include anything arbitrarily. It's all there for a purpose and a reason. Jesus said, don't think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've not come to abolish them. I've come to fulfill them. Anyone who uh, minimizes these things in in Matthew, he says, shall be considered least in the kingdom of God but he who celebrates and keeps them shall be considered great in the kingdom of heaven. So it helps to take time to reflect on God's appointed times, for example. In Leviticus 23, uh, it says, these are my appointed times that uh, that you are to assemble. And that was not just for, for Jewish people, because it's for all people, uh, you know. The God of Israel is the God and father of our Lord Yeshua. And, and, and you know, as far as Jesus comes um, or is, he's he's king of the Jews, both mm-hmm. in his birth and his death. And so they fought foreshadow these holy days foreshadow God's redemptive program. And so by observing them, it, it reminds us of the value of all of God's word. But in you wouldn't case, say seriously, Go um, you wouldn't say that. Christians are
0: obligated to celebrate Passover.
1: Would you? No, 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 no. I wouldn't say that. No, but uh, it they'll be blessed if they celebrate it. Okay, so it, I think it will it will help them um, appreciate their their how it relates also to old and new, and I'll get to that. That's one of the reasons. But go ahead.
0: Yes. Well, no, and I think I think that's that's where um, you know I want to make sure that we bring that point out because for. The Jewish people living under the old covenant, and and maybe this is where we, you and I start to get into some of our differences in understanding. They were they were obligated to keep Passover. It was it was um, a requirement. They had to go up to Jerusalem every year three times for the different three different holidays, and Passover was one of them. And anyone who did not observe the Passover, what was what was the consequence for them?
1: Well, they were they were they were cut off from fellowship. It's kind of the same thing as communion. I mean, right. You know, you know in communion which is based on passover right uh, and it's rooted in passover if you didn't if you don't observe the lord's supper you know it's a time to remember and to give thanks for the sacrifice that god mm-hmm. provided for us so it's a time for us to think about the lord to remember him yes Uh, to to and and also in the context of communion we're also to to offer a sacrifice and that sacrifice is repentance and and confession of sin acknowledging uh that that we are sinful confessing our sins and uh and to do it in remembrance of him and uh, not to take it In a cavalier way otherwise we are eating and drinking judgment upon ourselves so just as the jews were required to celebrate passover as believers we're required to remember the lord in 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 the lord's supper and to and to partake of that it's it's communal and it's and it's behooves us as believers we Mm -hmm. do it to remember him yeah and so the passover and, and in that regard the context of passover helps us to appreciate what this you know the sacrifice the sacrifice that was made and that Jesus is the Lamb of God and that we're to, you know that there's a a, a a synchronism between old and new. Yeah, and that's that. This is what I pointed to
0: when, um, you know, when when people would raise objections to Christians celebrating Passover. It's not that we are obligated to. It's not. Well, I don't even believe the Jewish people are obligated. In in Christ in Messiah, I don't believe that they're obligated to keep the the festivals and the the feast days the, the holidays, but it's certainly not prohibited. And if you do so in light of Christ, in light of Jesus, and you show how it points to Jesus, it can absolutely be a blessing. In the same way that um, that the Lord's Supper is, in the same way that Easter is, and you know, Elisa's favorite holiday to this day is Passover. Um, and, and that makes perfect sense, because Jesus is the Lamb of God. I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but it, Passover is, when you understand it, it's all about Jesus. The, the whole thing, the blood on the doorpost, it's all about Jesus. And when you see that, and you realize we're free to celebrate it, we're not obligated to, because we're not to be judged um, pertaining to a, a feast day or a Sabbath, a new moon, a festival, but we're free to do it, and, and it's a blessing to do it. So I like, I like how you phrased that. Um, but, again, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Do you want to keep going with more reasons yeah. why Christians should celebrate? I, I, I
1: can go on. So the third reason, so first of all, Passover is, uh, helps us to understand the value of Scripture, and it grounds us in our spiritual heritage. Thirdly, the Feast of Passover connects us to Yeshua, to Jesus. Jesus celebrated Passover. He was he was a Jewish man, according to his human genealogy. Moreover, he lived in the culture of the Jewish population. And so as you participate in celebrations that Jesus also participated in, this links you to who he was while he walked on earth. And so that's an important connection for you to understand. Fourthly, it helps us to understand the need for a substitutionary sacrifice. You know, part of the part of the offerings, most Christians don't understand this is that uh, Passover, as well as, um, as uh, just being Jewish, you, you were required to offer a sacrifice when you sinned. Uh, and there were three times in particular that God said, three times a year, you had to go up to Jerusalem and offer a sacrifice. And so the Jewish people were born as a result and, and redeemed as a result of that sacrifice. What, what made the distinction between Egypt and Israel was not because they were Jewish, it was the blood of the lamb. And in fact, we we know in scripture that there were many Egyptians who put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost because they right. feared the God of Israel. And so uh, just as Israel had to slaughter a lamb, and, and, and on Passover it was simply slaughtering the lamb and putting the blood on the doorpost. But the other sacrifices outlined in Torah was that you would lay your hands on the sacrifice Mm -hmm. And and uh, and you would put your sin on the animal Leviticus 1 specifically gives instructions regarding that So you would impute your sin on the animal And then you would take the knife that the priest would give you You had to take the knife you had to lift up the neck of the lamb and you had to slit its throat And, and, And in doing so the priest would gather the blood But you understood that this lamb was dying because of your sin uh, you had to yeah. kill the lamb you know a lot of people think that the jews killed christ and you know we jews say no it was the italians who did it <laughs> but the, rea- the reality is is that unless i acknowledge that that it was my sin that jesus died for and that his blood is on my hands i can't have redemption and the passover talks about the exchange of life principle that this lamb died or first of all, Passover to redeem us, to purchase us as God's chosen people. Mm-hmm. Israel is my son, my firstborn among the nations. And so it was the blood of the lamb that that purchased us out of Egypt and made us God's children. The blood redeemed and purchased us. And the blood of Jesus purchases our lives. He is the final Passover lamb, as Isaiah 53 points to. So yes. that's the fourth point. So. You
0: want to well do you think that there's anything significant about the way that the blood was placed on the door on the uh, the doorpost and the lintel? Um, I've heard, I've heard that it's significant that it, it almost if you if you were to draw a line you know uh, between the, the blood on the sides and the blood at the top that it actually forms a cross and there's a kind of foreshadowing there of uh, the, the, the way Jesus would die.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty intentional. Yeah, um, yeah, that it does form a cross. I mean, you see Catholic people doing this all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that, so that's so cool to me. I, that
0: <laughs> those those I have this apologetic argument from the concept of foreshadowing. that talks about there's so much foreshadowing, not direct mm-hmm. prophecy necessarily. Um, you, you know, uh, where Psalm 22 would be more of a direct prophecy, although that that could be seen as foreshadowing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And and the uh, It's like there's so much foreshadowing in the Old Testament that to deny that the Bible as a whole was written by a single author, a single divine author, i.e. God, Mm -hmm. you have to get rid of the concept of literature entirely. The whole thing reads like a book written by a single author. And I think that the blood on the doorpost and the lintel is a pretty good example of that. So I wanted to Mm -hmm. hear your take on that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree.
0: So, okay, so the next reason.
1: Okay, so uh, it enhances our gratitude. Can you imagine how grateful the Israelites must have been when when Passover occurred? Mm. Uh, You know, God knows that we have short memories. And so his command to commemorate his miraculous salvation every year causes us to remember. I mean, the, the reason he instituted these holy days was to look back at his grace and his mercy and his provision. And, and so he wants us to look back. He wants us to remember the whole focal point of the Old Testament is remember your redemption and Passover over and over again. It's throughout the entire scriptures and it's pointing to the new covenant as well, that that we are to look back to Calvary, to what God did for us. But 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 as believers, I think we not only have to look back to Calvary, I think too many of us just see Christianity as having a um, beginning 2000 years ago. But it's not. It began. You know, in the Garden of Eden, redemption began when when uh, when we when our eyes were opened and and uh, and God took uh, the skins of animals, shed blood to cover our nakedness. And so the gospel goes back to Genesis chapter three and and the fall goes back to Genesis chapter three. And it and it's just a seamless garment that goes from Genesis to Revelation. Someone has right. called it. Uh, uh, the seed plot of the Bible, because God promised that through the seed of the woman would come the Redeemer. And so all of that points to Yeshua. And and when we don't um, see it from Genesis to Revelation, we're not as in awe of God's redemptive program. And when we see it, it, it increases our thanksgiving. That, yeah. Especially for Gentiles, that, that God has taken them, uh, people who were not a people, and now have been grafted in. And for us Jews, it's an important point to realize that we have nothing to boast in by being Jewish, but that that, you know, that God, you know, that we blew it as Jews because God called us to be a light to the nations, and we hardened our heart to the nations. But then you Gentiles have returned the, the favor by hardening your <laughs> heart to our, toward us. So we're both under judgment, as Paul writes.
0: While there's, there's no true unity between different ethnicities, uh, this, is the big, th- this is the big topic of the last 12 months. There's no true unity between different ethnicities outside of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because we can, we can try to paper over our differences. We can try to apply you know, Band-Aids and uh, you know, Band-Aid solutions. But when you come to the cross of Jesus Christ, and you realize, I'm just as sinful, probably more so as the guy over there who's of different ethnicity, whether he, he's Jew and I'm Gentile or I'm white he's black. I, when I realize I am equally deserving, I'm deserving of that man's death that he's dying on the cross right there. And I deserve that. I'm also, I'm also equally deserving of his judgment. That's right. I'm deserving of that. Of his wrath. That's right, and and the fact that he he can forgive me means I can forgive anybody of any ethnicity, of any slight or any wrong, and that's where true unity comes from. And um, so, yeah, you you uh, you keep mentioning Ephesians two. Those of us who are far away have been brought near. Uh, the dividing wall of hostility, which was the law, he abolished in his flesh. He tore it down. There is no dividing wall between us anymore. And the one. Ethnic only, but only,
1: only in Messiah is there no only distinction. That, that's correct. But there are distinctions. There are distinctions. I mean, there is a difference between a woman and a man. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between a Jew and a Gentile. Even uh, though we are one in Messiah, those distinctions still remain. Vive la difference, as the French would say. In In terms of ethnicity,
0: sure, yes, but not in terms of salvation, standing with God, or how we're
1: saved, or... Right, Anything like that, right? right? But, those, but those but those distinctions remain. There's still a Jew. There's still a Gentile in Messiah. We're not better. But those distinctions remain as there is a distinction between male and female. Yeah,
0: I know you and I have talked about that before. I don't I. I okay. All
1: right. Well, let's, um, you know what we have, we have a saying, Joel, in the Jewish community, two Jews, three opinions. Right. And in that regard, Christianity is very Jewish. You get two Christians together, you have five denominations.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, one of my favorite things to do is to talk with somebody that I, uh, that I agree with and, and, you know, uh, uh, so, so you, uh, you you believe, believe in Jesus. Yeah, I do. And, and okay. and, And, where, where do you stand on soteriology? Oh, you're reformed? Okay, yeah, yeah, me too. But how do you define reformed? Okay, you're Calvinist, yeah, me too. And um, but what about uh you you know, what about baptism? Oh, oh, no, all right, cast them out of the kingdom. And uh yeah, we can we can we can definitely find plenty to disagree on. Um But in a certain sense, in a very important sense, we are all one, aren't we? I mean for all of for all of whatever theological differences you and I have, which I think in the grand scheme of things are probably pretty small, we're one in Christ, you know, and that's, uh, we're going to be spent on eternity. We can, we can, you know, we won't need to hash these things out for eternity. That's but right. um, at, at the risk of, of preaching here, one of my favorite things is getting into an Uber or a cab with someone who's clearly you know an immigrant someone from uh, i remember one time there was a guy who f- was from um nigeria i want to say and we got to talking and of course i'm trying to angle uh, the conversation to figure out how i could share the gospel with this guy it turns out he's a he's a believer and the minute that i realized that and he realized that it was like two old friends meeting even though we'd never met i mean we were brothers from that moment mm-hmm. you know and we had tons of cultural differences man tons and tons but we were brothers and that is the kind of unity we have in the Messiah, which I just think is incredible.
1: Yeah. Amen. So, what are we on? Reason are we on five? yeah one more and uh, so it enhances our gratitude and the last one yes. i have is that it strength, it strengthens our understanding of communion passover celebrating passover okay yeah i mean talk about that first Corinth, first corinthians 5 verses 6 through 8 paul paul says in the context of communion your, your boasting is not good don't you know that a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump therefore uh get rid of the leaven just as in fact you are unleavened for messiah our passover has been sacrificed for us therefore let us celebrate the feast not with the leaven of malice and wickedness but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth and so i believe the early church celebrated passover i mean when he's talking about uh the feast i think he's talking the the feast of, uh, of yes it's now communion but in the context of what he's writing it was passover the early church celebrated passover in the light of messiah and so that helps us to understand how passover foreshadows and fulfills our redemption in messiah and first corinthians 11 uh, uh, beginning in verse 23. Um, let me get that for myself on the screen here or i'm not on the screen but on in my bible um First Corinthians eleven, uh, beginning in verse twenty-three, we read this: uh, "For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Yeshua, in the night in which he was betrayed, broke bread." And so there's the the Passover that you sh- the Last Supper was not, you know, was not twelve guys posing for a picture, you know, with fluffy white bread. It was a Jewish Passover. It was a a, a gathering of intimate brothers and. Uh, and so, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And there are elements in a traditional Jewish Passover that clearly point to the Messiah. I mean, the, the matzah must be unleavened, it it must be pierced, and it must be striped. And it was that that Jesus raised. And that's also part of a Jewish ceremony is uh, there are three matzahs placed in a napkin, a matzah tash, and the Father reaches not into the upper, not into the lower, but the middle one, and he removes it, and and, and he raises it and says, this is the bread of affliction. I mean, I don't have enough time to go into a Passover, you should uh, go to my uh, website and there's some links there for uh, a Passover Seder, or you can e- email me and I can send it to you. I did one at Moody Church, and, and, and so many of the elements of the Passover help us to understand what's going on in communion. And so he goes on to say, this is my body, which is for you, do this in remembrance of me." In the same way, he took the cup after supper, and that was the third cup. The first cup is the cup of sanctification in a Passover Seder. The second cup is the cup of plagues in which we remember the the plagues that came upon egypt and and the third cup is the cup of redemption after we eat and to remember the lamb and the blood that was shed and that that redeemed us that's why it's called the cup of redemption and as often as you raise this cup and what is what cup is he talking about he's talking about the third cup of of passover and so the early church celebrated passover and it helped them to understand uh, the new covenant. And and Jesus said, as often as you drink this third cup, do it to remember me, that I am the lamb that, that redeemed you. And for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, that I have fulfilled all that Passover and all that the law was talking about. Therefore, and this is important. Therefore, And, you know, one of the theological things we learn in Bible school is uh, whenever you see a therefore, you say what it's there for. And so the reason it's here is is in the context of Passover or communion uh, and communion means breaking bread together. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord but a man must first examine himself and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup for he who eats and drinks eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly so in doing all this we're to recognize how old and new fit together and that jesus is the lamb of god and if you just cavalierly partake of of passover or communion with the with not understanding the sacrifice of the Lamb of God and that he purchased you and, and that he calls you to be holy. And the way that we're holy is by acknowledging our sin to him and confessing our sins one to another. He who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he doesn't judge the body rightly. Part of that is the context of getting rid of leaven. Uh, in in a Passover, we are remove all leaven and leaven foreshadows sin. And if we partake of of communion with leaven with sin we are we are uh, uh, losing breaking fellowship with god for this reason many of you are weak and a number of you sleep that is die prematurely but if we judged ourselves rightly in other words got rid of the leaven in our lives confessing it to god and confessing our sins one to another we would not be judged but when we are judged we're disciplined by the lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world and so paul is trying to connect uh, throughout Corinthians, this letter to the Corinthians, the idea that 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 Christianity is Jewish and we need to learn from their examples. First uh, Corinthians 11 says uh, earlier, um, I don't want you to be uh, ignorant of this mystery in First in Corinthians 10. I'm sorry. Um, uh, in, in First Corinthians, 10, for. I don't want to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and and all passed through the sea. I mean, here he's explaining our fathers to Gentiles. I mean, the Corinthian church was a Gentile church, and all right. were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. All ate the same spiritual food. And couldn't he just be food. talking about about our meaning uh, him and and his
0: people, the Jewish people?
1: No, I think he's talking about Jew and Gentile.
0: So, so you so you would say that he's he's including the Gentiles in that. Our fathers, yeah,
1: uh, their fathers as yeah. well. because yeah, Jesus made you kosher. You're okay. part of our people, like Ruth said. Uh, your God is my God. Your people are my people. Right, but that's and, also and in
0: the context of the old of the old covenant, right not not the not the new covenant. Uh, oh yeah, that's it, the new covenant. This is the, this is First Corinthians chapter. Two. No, 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 right. But, but what I'm what I'm saying is I'm it's, I'm talking about the example of Ruth in particular. But but. Uh how do you know that Paul is is saying our fathers include I'm not saying he is or isn't I'm not I'm not sure but uh, why do you say that he's including the Corinthians the Gentile Corinthians in that saying they are your fathers as well
1: Well he's talking in first 1 of first Corinthians says, for I do not want you to be aware brothers Mhm okay that our fathers Okay, all, that our fathers were all over yeah.
0: the class. So we're brothers, and if they're our fathers and we're brothers, then they're your fathers as well. That's right. Yeah, that that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well and, and not to mention that, but we're also spiritual children of Abraham. We are Right. In, Abraham,
1: Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah, and in um and that's, and that's an that important difference comes, right there, Joel. Because because most your your Muslim people will say, well, we're children of Abraham. Yes, right. you're children of Abraham, but you're not children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob.
0: Right, and there's this book by um, I want to say John Riesinger called Abraham's Four Seeds that that talks about how the word seed has four different connotations, and so there were the you know Ishmael was a seed in a certain sense of. Abraham, and in that regard, he was blessed. And then you, uh, um, but Ishmael and his descendants are not um, are not descendants of Abraham in the way that believers in Jesus are today, uh, and and that's because yes, the that's
1: difference of, of the, the flesh, flesh versus the spirit. The, right. The, the Isaac was a son of promise, whereas mm-hmm. Ishmael was a son of flesh. Right. That's right, and and even the distinction between Jacob
0: and Esau, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. So what matters for the new covenant, and, and this is why I have this in the back of my mind because the Pope, you know, just went to Er and was uh, supposedly, it was a summit between the Abra- the quote unquote Abrahamic relig- religions, and I I you know that sticks in my craw because there is no Abrahamic religion apart from the faith of Abraham. And it's the same faith that Adam had, the same faith that Abraham had, that Jonah but had. It's,
1: but it's more than that. It's the faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Isaac. Jacob.
0: Correct. And, and, but that is Abrahamic faith, though. It's faith in the coming Messiah. He looked forward yeah. to a city that had foundations. Um, he understood that the promise was not just a fleshly promise, but through your offspring, not offsprings, all the the nations on earth would be blessed. We are sitting here right now, Jew and Gentile as the the real time manifestation of that promise, all the nations on earth have been blessed through his offspring, and even though offspring has meant different things throughout scripture, the ultimate fulfillment of that is in jesus and yes, so it's a pretty um you know it it you have to really define your terms or else you could say, well sure yeah, Islam might in some sense be you know an abrahamic faith but not not in any sense that actually matters not in terms of one standing before god one's uh membership of of the covenant of redemption you know that's it all also, found
1: only in jesus but it's also what it also is is subscribing to what scripture teaches that the authority of scripture for us Scripture is more important or is foundational to our faith. And so when Muslims proclaim to be followers of Abraham, Abraham is, you know, uh, the word came to Abraham and the the promise was that it would come through his seed. And that seed means Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, Jacob to Judah and from Judah uh, would come King David and from King David would come the Messiah. Right and so all of that is incorporated in our faith that we right. that our faith is a judeo-christian faith that it's based on the god of Abraham Isaac and Jacob it's not just based on Abraham we have to have that Genealogy. We have to have that acceptance that that and in fact this faith is a Jewish faith that God made with this covenant, this new covenant, according to Jeremiah 31, behold days are coming, says the Lord, I want to make a new covenant, not like the old covenant. That covenant was with the Jewish people. And so Gentiles now are partakers of that through their faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the Messiah, who is the seed of Jacob and Judah and so on.
0: Right. Right, and those and those promises are for those who are who are redeemed under that covenant. So, you know, the original promise, and I know you and I have talked about this before, but I will call those who are not my people, my people. In, in the place where we said you are not my people, you will be called, you know, the, the people of God, the, sons of the living God, the, sons of the living, the living God. God. Yeah. And that promise was originally made to Israel. Loami, you, you are no longer my people. And yet you will one day again be called not only my people, but my children. And then in the New Testament, that promise is applied to Gentiles, who in in a very, very real historical sense were never called the people of God. In fact, the the Gentiles were were out worshiping pagan gods. They were worshipping Asherah. Not all of them. Not all of them. Many people no, no.
1: came to the God of Israel.
0: Correct. But but en masse, uh, there was not a massive uh, worldwide, you know, global influx of Gentiles into the faith of, of Abraham, or as you put it, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob until but but that's what the Great Commission is about, go and disciple the nations, baptize well, them. that Great
1: in- Commission was that was actually given to the Jewish people and they did they they hardened their heart and they didn't do it. So God said, I'm gonna take a people you say are not a people and I'm gonna make you jealous with them.
0: Yeah, right, right. That's right. Well, I know that's a big part of your ministry as well is mm-hmm. uh is is showing Jewish people. Well, and that's you know, I remember having a conversation with a Jewish friend of mine, I won't mention his name, but um you know, we were talking and I'm like, you know, we were talking about scripture. And oh, you know, what, you know what this was this was a dad. It wasn't even who I was thinking. It was a dad in the hospital when when Lucas was in the hospital, and he was he was Jewish and he wasn't he was conservative. So Not Orthodox, but not Reformed. And I was talking with him about Isaiah. And and I was asking him, you know, do you believe Isaiah is? Because he didn't, he'd never heard of Isaiah 53, as I know has been your experience oftentimes as well, talking with people. And I said, well, do you believe? And I was showing him the the parallels between Isaiah 53 and and the Lord Jesus. And I said, do you believe that Isaiah is Holy Scripture from God, that, that he was a prophet speaking from God? And goes well, you know. I'm not sure. You know, the the rabbis do, you know, debate. And I go, listen, friend. I believe that Isaiah is is scripture from God. I believe in your prophet more than you do. I'm a I'm a Gentile. I'm supposed to be out worshiping trees and sacred groves, and I'm sitting here with your scripture, worshiping your God praying to your messiah and acknowledging that every word of this scripture is from god and and you can look at it you can see who this points to you can see that this points to jesus what am i doing with your god and your messiah man and i'm trying to provoke that jealousy and he understood what i was doing and really i mean um like king herod heard john the baptist he he heard me gladly but uh you know he left still not com- convinced not repentant but you know, I, I think about them sometimes and I hope that the Lord's continued to work on them because, you know, it was just so funny. Yeah, apart from the Spirit of
1: God, nobody sees
0: that. That's right. That's right. N- you and me, we didn't figure it out because we were smarter than everybody.
1: Right. Yeah. God is
0: gracious. So, um, is it worth the significance that Jesus died on Passover and then. Uh, sometimes, sometimes people. Well, maybe we can talk a little bit more about that. But sometimes people say um, he he died on Passover, but Passover was not on actually on the Sabbath that year, and Jesus was was actually crucified on a Wednesday or a Thursday. Have you heard that theory? So that's two yeah. separate separate questions. What What do you make of the theological significance that Jesus was crucified at Passover, and then when was Passover, and how do you fit the Holy Week altogether?
1: Well, Passover was on the 14th of Nisan. So the, the that's that's the biblical day. Uh, Jesus celebrated uh, at, on the 14th of Nisan which began uh, the night before. And so, you know, I've earnestly desired to celebrate this Passover and and not only did he celebrate it on Passover, but he died on Passover because he died before sundown the next day. And so he fulfilled the the type and the 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 reality that, that that he was the Lamb of God, and uh, and then he rose again on on the third day, and the third day being um, you know any part of a day is considered a day in in Jewish understanding and biblical understanding actually, and so he rose again on the day of first fruits. First fruits always occurs on the first Sabbath after Passover. And so Jesus died before Sabbath. He was in the, he was dead in the ground, humanly speaking, in the ground dead mm-hmm. on Sabbath. So he was he was resting, if you will, mm-hmm. and rose again on the offering of first fruits. So he was not only the Lamb of God, but he is also the first fruits. That was a Jewish holy day, the second yeah. holy day, and the Jews had to offer uh, the first fruits of the harvest, which in those days was barley and and uh, that was a a, an, a required offering and it was saying lord we recognize that everything that we have is yours and we offer these first fruits to you mm-hmm. and we know that as paul writes in 1 corinthians uh, chapter 15 that uh, 20 that that now christ is risen the first fruits of those who were to sleep yes and and the idea of first fruits is that it is set apart by the Lord, and because the, the offering is given there, there is the assurance that God will give us the greater harvest that, that comes later on. And right. uh, So he rose as the first fruits of those who were to die. And, uh, and so that, that's and when that, is that, that? All significant. When was first fruits? First, first fruits was on which day? The day after the Sabbath follows Passover. So it's Got it. always, okay. on a sun, always on a Sunday. Okay. And then the next holy day is you count off fifty days, the counting of the Omer. And and that follows to Shavuot, weeks, or as we say in Christianity, Pentecost, mm-hmm. fifty days after first fruits, you have a new offering of first fruits. And in that holy day, they were to bake two loaves of bread baked with leaven. And they give it to the priest, along with sacrifices that were offered. This was the second feast day that all Jews were required to be present. All Jews had to be present on Passover because God wanted them to see the lamb. They wanted right. them to see Jesus. You know, if it worked right. with the leadership, Wait a minute, wait a minute, not so fast, we don't want to do this on Passover. Everybody's in town. Right. You don't know, want a riot to break out, so, but the, t- the timing was not in their hands, it was in God's hands. Mm-hmm. And God made sure that Jesus died on Passover and rose again on first fruits. And then 50 days later, when the beginning of the harvest began, J- Jesus specifically said, wait here in Jerusalem till what I promised you comes upon you. And Jews were all gathering to offer the first fruits of the harvest, uh, of the regular harvest, in town, and then... Lo and behold, just by coincidence, as luck would have it, the Spirit of God is right. on those those apostles, and they get up and preach the gospel. And, and God gives undoes the uh, the curse of um, of languages uh, which occurred in Babylon, and mm-hmm. and they, all of a sudden they're able to speak in all these languages. And and the Jews that are present are saying, "Wait a minute, what's going on here? We we must, be, you know, you you must be drunk, or yeah, you've or, got too we much wine, drunk." Yeah, because I mean, there, Galileans here speaking all these languages—how's that possible? They have enough trouble speaking one language. Everyone right. knows Galileans are dumb, uh, and here they are speaking all these languages. And then Peter gets up and preaches, and and three thousand Jews and Gentiles come to faith. There were there were there were uh, proselytes among them, and so those were Gentiles. And so both Jews and and Gentiles come to faith. And and the harvest begins. It was no coincidence. Everybody was in town, and so God began the harvest. So,
0: man, and and this is what you present in your presentations. I remember you did a series at Park Community Church years ago about the, the different holidays and how they all point to Jesus. Um, right. Even even uh, even Shavuot, even uh, you know Pentecost. Corresponds um, to the Kippur. Yes, yes. And so, um, just very briefly, then maybe we could just make this explicit because we did have a question come in. I want to get to before we run out of time here. Good, but good. why did John the Baptist call Jesus the Lamb of God? Is was that a Passover reference?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, in order for uh, for for Israel to be redeemed, to be purchased, he's he's the greater. Uh, he is he he is Israel personified uh and and w- when we are in him we are the new israel if you will mm-hmm. and in order for israel to be redeemed it, they had to apply the blood of the lamb to the doorposts and so they needed the lamb of god in order to begin the new covenant which was not like the old covenant Right. And so Jesus had to die on Passover. He was God's lamb, as Isaiah foretold, like a sheep that would be silent before shears so he would not open his mouth. And so Jesus is the appointed lamb that would fulfill what all the sacrifices were pointing to
0: and is there a um is there a tie back to Abraham's statement when he went to go sacrifice Isaac and Isaac said, okay, we've got the fire, we've got the wood, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, the Lord himself will provide a lamb. But then God did not provide a lamb at that moment. He provided a ram caught in the thickets, and Abraham sacrificed that. So in one sense, the statement was fulfilled, but in another sense, was that pointing forward to the Lamb of God? Was that pointing forward to Jesus?
1: Well, first of all, a ram is just a male lamb. A mature one,
0: okay. Well, but a, a mature one, yes. But but specifically, aren't there there are two different terms that are used there? There's there's the lamb, but then there's also ram. My, my understanding is that the ram, in one sense, fulfilled the prophecy, but there was still an aspect of the prophecy that pointed forward to. So when John the Baptist he says, "Behold, the Lamb of God," the the literate reader who maybe just read Genesis is looking at that, going, "Oh." God did provide a lamb, whereas re- reading the, the, the Genesis story, it's like, okay, I guess, I guess God provided a lamb. But then you see the more full fulfillment in, in uh,
1: John yeah, the Baptist's proclamation. Like the Hebrew root of the word provide is uray, meaning to see. And because God saw Abraham's willingness to offer his son, his only son, on Mount Moriah, the very place where Jesus was sacrificed, the word Moriah means to see as well as uray. J- Jira, you know, Jehovah Jira, that means to right. see. Both Moriah and Jira uh, at its root means God sees. Hmm. And so God saw Abraham's faith, and also God seeing our need provided the lamb, and it will be provided on at the site. That was the very place where Jesus died, was Mount, on the Mount of the Lord.
0: It'll be provided. Yeah,
1: that that's where the Dome of the Rock is. I mean, that's that's the place where the Lord provided, and in, in Mount Moriah is on is is the whole vicinity of where is where Jesus uh, and where Abraham offered that 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 lamb. So, but that that wasn't Calvary, though, or, or uh, uh, yeah, Golgotha. Yeah. It, no, it wasn't Golgotha. It was Moriah. Golgotha is on Mount Moriah.
0: Okay, so it's it's part of that same site. Yeah. Correct. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. As the temple oh, that's, is that's
0: incredible. That the is holy incredible. Of holies.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is yeah. yeah. I mean the more you read the Bible and just put together old and new, it's just oh you oh, you yeah. just unbelievable. Yes.
0: Okay. Um, buzzing through these last questions here, is Passover a Christian holy day?
1: Would you say I think so. Okay. Yeah. These are one of God's appointed times. Okay, but I, think um, I mean, he's he's the same God. I mean, you know, yeah. these are my appointed times. He's never abrogated them. Well, I I think he has, but you you disagree, but okay, yeah, yeah, two Jews' to be opinion.
0: Yeah, right. Um, I have to say that because I'm going to have my fellow New Covenant people watching this, going, "What is Joel not New Covenant anymore?" I'd say the views <laughs> the views expressed by our guests are not necessarily shared right. by the host, but. Yeah. Uh, but we both definitely agree that it's a blessing to observe it and that it points to Jesus. So we're pretty close. Um, okay. Uh, this is one I'm, I'm afraid we're just not going to be able to get into other than um, just for the sake of time, what does a Messianic Passover Seder look like? Um, I'll I, tell you what, have your people email me and I'll yeah.
1: send them a uh, ceremony. That, I mean, that's that's they, great. They can,
0: they can watch it. Yeah, that's great. And um, I, I've got to say, so I've been, I've only ever been to Messianic Passover Seders, but I've been to good ones and I've been to bad ones. And I've been, when, one of the bad ones, which was not hosted by you, it was hosted by somebody else, was there was just, it was dry as dust. There was, you know, it was dry as matzah that had been sitting out for a week. There was no, <laughs> there was nothing, there was nothing to it. it there was no jesus there was no redemption there was no it was just purely cultural it was we are messianic jewish people and this is what we do but then you know uh without blowing smoke at you here when when we do the family satyrs or you know the the classy passy or the ones at, at park jesus is all over it in under around and through it is all about jesus and that is so cool to celebrate that and um you know it's like taking communion it's like taking communion that lasts for like
1: two hours you know uh and, <laughs> Which, and with plenty of good food, vegetable yes, soup. I remember yes. my first communion. They said, "You know what's what at communion?" I said, "What's communion?" He said, "After ah, you, it's like I suppose it's like a Passover." So yeah. I didn't eat anything all that day, thinking we're going to have a great meal. <laughs> I got to tell you, my first communion was a major disappointment. <laughs> right,
0: right, right. You got a little tiny little cracker. Yeah, and, right. Uh, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. that's sad, but uh, but no, you definitely get a lot of good food and um, and and okay. So if if. If you're listening to this, if you're viewing this, and you want to know what a messianic passover seder looks like, you can email me at the at gmail.com, or you can contact Roy by going to RoySchwartz.org. And uh and I had the website up earlier, but um that's uh Schwartz is S-C-H-W-A-R-C is in cat z is in zebra.org. So RoySchwartz.org You can contact him. Right, can't they get in touch with you through the website? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So definitely check that out. Now um, we did have a question that came through and I think that this guy, so now this, I think we're going to have three Christians and three different opinions here. Here, Daniel Lieber. Yes. Daniel Lieber asks this. He says, thanks Joel for asking this, asking that. Now this is in response to something I asked earlier. He says, I have someone building Sabbath, observing, uh, building Sabbath observing argument on seventh day opposing Sunday. So now, here's what I'm reading, and I, I don't fully understand the question but or the statement, but but Daniel, if I understand you correctly, you're saying someone right now is promoting the idea of Sabbath observant, observance, say that five times fast, on the seventh day as opposed to Sunday. So first, let's get our guest's response to that. What do you, what do you make that of Christians who say that the Sabbath is 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 to be observed on Sunday that it has now been moved and it's it's equivalent to the Lord's Day the Lord's Day is how we in the new covenant observe the Sabbath what are your what, what's your response to that
1: well first of all the Sabbath is always the Sabbath and the Sabbath was always Friday night at sundown till Saturday night at sundown Sunday is the Lord's Day now, as to whether or not believers should celebrate this uh, Sunday as a Sabbath, we have that freedom. In, in, in Romans, it says one man observes one day as, as holy right. to the Lord, another another day. Uh, but from my perspective, the Sabbath has been fulfilled in Messiah, as Hebrews 3 and 4 talks about. it. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Amen. So I, I think it's important that as believers we take one day as holy to the Lord. Uh, the Sabbath will always be the Sabbath. In the congregations I plant, we observe uh, the Sabbath on s- the Sabbath. It is our gathering, and it leaves me free to to speak in churches on Sunday, and uh, share the good news that Jesus made it and made you kosher. And uh, so, but the Sabbath is always the Sabbath. And but but in reality, every day is the Sabbath. In Messiah. yes,
0: yes. Okay, so I, I I agree with you on that. Wait, I, I oh, it's I, the, the Messiah is going to come now. That's right. That's right. That's right. The <laughs> full number of the Gentiles has now come in. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, the one, the one difference that I have with you is I don't, I don't, I don't know how to make the case biblically that we are still required to take one day. Although I think that it's wise. I think it's it's a good principle of wisdom. But. Um I wouldn't put somebody if I were a pastor under church discipline for not observe you know for working 7 days. I would say yeah, be I, careful cuz you're going to run yourself ragged. I, I agree. It's okay. Great. Oh uh, yeah, it's it's a wisdom principle and mm-hmm. and I fully agree with you that Jesus is our Sabbath rest and that every day is the Sabbath and that means that we we don't we don't work for our approval from from God. Now even in the old covenant they didn't earn approval from God by working, but but you know, that's sometimes a misconception. But we are free from our works. By works of the law shall no man be justified. And uh and Jesus did the work for us. He the one the one man's obedience opened up salvation for us all and, and the gift is not like the curse. And um mm-hmm. so, okay, well I guess we just have uh three Christians in two opinions then. Um <laughs> 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 we're making progress there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, and Daniel Lieber did ask uh, one more question. He says, are Jews counting literal hours between duration Jesus' body in the grave and resurrection? 72 hours according to Jonah two two and Matthew. Now, this, this, this is something I'm still not fully resolved on in my own mind, and maybe you can put this t- to rest for us. Jesus said, just as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for— three days, three nights, or he actually said ketos, which is some kind of a sea monster. Um, Then in the same way, the Son of Man would spend three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. Okay, can you please explain to us how you can get from Friday night to Sunday morning and have three days and three nights from a Jewish perspective, a Hebrew perspective, what is Jesus doing with that idiom? What does he mean? And why does, why does it mean that Jesus wasn't crucified on like a Thursday or a Wednesday, depending on how you count it, so that you get the full well, three it, days? It could, and have, it could
1: have actually been Thursday. It doesn't say that it was a Friday. It, okay. It, it, it just, it just the, the, first of all, Passover is a Sabbath. So it, it, Passover is always a Sabbath. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's always so, a Sabbath. It's okay, perfect. so there's no way. But it's not, it's different than the Sabbath. So Passover oh. is a Sabbath,
0: but, but it's. You said not the Sabbath is always. A Sabbath. Is the Sabbath no. not always Saturday?
1: Well, this is, yes, the Sabbath is always Saturday, okay. but the Passover is considered a Shabbat. It's a day of rest, just as Yom Kippur is a day of rest.
0: Okay, it's so a day of rest, but it's not always on Saturday.
1: Not not Passover. Passover but
0: is. Saturday. Right. S- S- Sabbath proper is always Saturday, but. Passover as a Sabbath, as a, a rest day, is sometimes not on Saturday, correct?
1: Correct. Correct. Okay. You shall, you shall have a rest. And, um, and uh, so you shall not do any laborious work. So in the observance of Passover and, and Yom Kippur, we are to have a rest, which is the word Shabbat. Okay. So and, it, it is a Sabbath. And do but we it's know? Not the Sabbath. Got
0: it. Okay, do we do we know in the year? Well, I guess depending on what year you you. That's you a know, good
1: question. I I, I think I think you can you can determine that based on the Jewish calendar that the fourteenth of the sun. But but remember, the 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 day always begins at sundown. Right. So so then trace that out for us. Then so so
0: what do you what do you believe Jesus was crucified on? Friday night. How did Jesus? Here's my question. How did Jesus? No, it was he was crucified before sundown. Okay, so so Jesus was the the Last Supper would have been what on a on a was it would it have been Thursday on night?
1: On a Thursday night, probably yes. Thursday okay, night.
0: so then so then Jesus is arrested on Thursday night. He's he's tried that night, right? Is that or? yeah well, there were a
1: couple of trials there were a couple of trials okay when there was when a Jewish was the trial and then there was a Gentile trial right and
0: when was the when when did he pray in Gethsemane that would have been that was after the Passover meal yeah that night right okay yeah. so then Thursday night he's Thursday praying in, night he's praying in Gethsemane Thursday uh he's, night arrested he's arrested that night mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and wasn't so he was he was tried in the temple in the middle of the night, correct? Yes. That's when Peter denied him before the rooster crowed. So then that would have been Thursday night. That was a busy night. Friday, actually Friday morning. Early Friday morning. Okay.
1: But it's actually Thursday. It's actually Friday. Friday begins on sundown. Right, right. So it's still all the same day.
0: Okay, so that's all Friday. So then he would have been tried on Friday morning before Pilate. He got his Gentile trial before Pilate on Friday morning. What we call Friday morning, what they would have as well. And then, and then he would have been crucified.
1: Let's see, he was crucified that same morning then, correct? Well, but afternoon or whatever, but Friday. Okay, but but there was darkness and over. By, the- at three o'clock, there was darkness and whatever. Hour no, from
0: noon was. to three, wasn't it? Noon to three. Right. Right. The, the sixth hour and to the ninth then, hour.
1: And then he dies. The veil in the temple is rent in two Mm -hmm. and 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 it's all happening before sundown. Right. Friday. So that it is so that it is all part of Friday. Right. Okay. And then the Sabbath begins at sundown, And that's why he's already dead and taken down just prior to the Sabbath so that they can bury him before the Sabbath.
0: Okay, so he was so he was taken down prior to sunset on right. what we or the beginning the Jewish beginning of Saturday of the Sabbath, correct? Okay, so so you've got so he was he was dead,
1: technically. One day, one day is Friday, Thursday, but that was that was part of the Passover began just before sundown, so okay. that was part of a day. Yes, then you have evening and and morning two days, but one he was night
0: not dead until Friday though, correct?
1: right, Correct. okay.
0: so he's dead on Friday. He dies on Friday. That's one day. Mm-hmm. He's dead all day Saturday. He's in the mm-hmm. ground, humanly speaking right. as you said, as you said, right right um just for any Muslim viewers, God proper did not die, but God, the son as a man, died with regard to his humanity. and then. Sunday the third day he, he rises now what are we to make of three days we've got three days but we don't have three nights there what do we do with three nights is that is that an idiom
1: i don't know it uh, yeah i think so okay i mean you you could there are some who really parse this out much better than i do i think okay. arnold Fruchtenbaum does does a good job on it what's his name arnold Fruchtenbaum. okay he's he's a Jewish believer and he's got a lot of books and they're available on logos. And, um, yeah, so he, 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 and I can get that information if somebody is interested in it, they can email me.
0: Okay. All right. Well, this was, uh, this was fantastic. This was packed. Um, how can people follow your work? How can, you know, how, how can they keep in touch with you? And, um, you know, what's the best way to get to, to, to get well,
1: more? Side, Roy Roy Schwartz dot royschwartz.org. There's plenty of commentaries there on, on each uh, book of the Bible. Uh, not every book, but, you know, a lot of the Messianic books, Genesis and Exodus and Matthew and Hebrews and Revelation mm-hmm. and, um, and uh, just Philippians. Just tons of commentaries that will help them verse by verse. See how old and new fit together. there's links and, and uh, they're welcome to attend the Bible studies that I do and and uh, all that information is there. and they can get in touch with me if they have questions.
0: Okay, wonderful. I also put a number of links to Roy's work in the um, in the description of this video. So whether you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, um, it'll be in the podcast notes as well. So if you're listening to this later, first of all, thank you for listening. But if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app, if you read the description of this episode, the, the links will either be in that description or else there will be a link to the website, podca- the full podcast notes, and they'll be in there. But they'll, they will be accessible to you. You can check that out. I also want to encourage you, if you have not yet done so, and you're listening to the podcast, please give us, a, an honest five-star rating and review that helps get the word out about the podcast. And if you appreciate the ministry that we have here at the Think Institute and you want to partner with us, um, you can do so by going to give.cru.org slash 1018841. And I want to give a quick shout out to those of you who have begun financially partnering with us, prayerfully partnering with us as a result of listening and watching the Think Podcast or some of our other shows on the network. Thank you guys very much. We can't do this without your support. So really, really appreciate you. And um, please, let me just encourage you, go to chosenpeople.com, go to royschwartz.org, check out my father-in-law's work as well. He's a support-raising missionary as well, and I know he appreciates the prayerful and financial support as well. And um, and actually, it was his ministry and his work that inspired Elisa and me to become support-raising missionaries ourselves. So um huge, huge thank you to you, Dad. Thank you for being on the show. And, um, you know, we I, I know we're going to have many more conversations about this, but I'm glad we got to encapsulate one, uh, for posterity, so that um, our grandkids and great-grandkids can can watch and say, "What did uh, What did Dad and, and Papa used to talk about again?" Oh yeah, let's let's pull that up. So um, so thank you very much. Uh, any questions can be sent to thethinkinstitute at gmail.com. And remember, this is not goodbye. This has just been a little pit stop along the road of your spiritual journey. That's about all we have for you today. So until next time. I hope it made you think.